0: Hi and welcome to Friends of Brother Adam, my name is Dennis and I'll be your host for this evening. Um, (laughs) Just to give you a little awareness, I do have a little bit of a whistle to my talk. I had some, uh, uh, I had a tooth pulled and so (laughs) until I get that fixed, uh, I'm going to have a little bit of a whistle every once in a while. Um, We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, demonstrating and understanding basic bee behavior Uh, from a Certified beekeeping Technician course. And at the end of this course, you will not be receiving a certificate. However, this is for your uh, learning and your entertainment. Uh, Hopefully, I am covering some of the uh, material that you guys enjoy. If you have uh, suggestions for material that you'd like to see, please send me an email at allsmallletters, at gmail.com. Uh, We're going to be discussing today clusters and a little bit of winter beekeeping so that we can understand how clusters work with uh, our general areas. Uh, Me being in southern Alberta, um, we get something that the most rest of you guys don't get. It's called a Chinook. And a Chinook is an awful thing (laughs) because it brings the bees out of their cluster and they have several times that they can go out and do their little business um, breaking cluster and going out and and taking a dump outside. Uh, However our um, Chinooks a lot of times are short lived and will go from uh, minus 40 to plus 10 back down to minus 30 or something like that in like five days and a lot of times and sometimes it'll be just a day's worth of warmth and then it's back up to or back down to the Uh, minus 20, minus 40 area. So our bees really suffer because they think it's springtime and they're getting ready to go and they start going out looking for food and they go out and do their business and they can't get back in their cluster in time and we end up losing our hives. It's one of the reasons why beekeepers in this area and and in a lot of areas in Canada um, that aren't blessed with the warmth of Toronto or uh, Surrey, B.C. um, end up putting their bees in a quonset that is uh, air conditioned so that it is at least minus 10 and uh, has adequate ventilation and all that other stuff. So, (laughs) but if you're leaving your bees in your backyard or if you're leaving your bees on a a field with a farmer, uh, there are a lot of things that you can do to help keep the temperature normalized, but also understanding this cluster idea is a big thing for beekeepers in Canada. So um, I'm not sure where you guys are listening from. And uh, sometimes if you're not in the colder climates, it's not as much of an issue, but understanding why bees die, understanding what you can do to um, manage and make the decisions for management and what tools and stuff you can use to keep your your cluster (laughs) as, as long as possible. Today's material is from Bee Culture, the magazine of American beekeeping. It is on winter management, um, and it's one of the better articles that I've found on clusters. It's not a scientific article like some of the other stuff that we've been reading, but it really goes into some good ideas about this. So on to our material. During winter, bees cluster in a configuration that has a dense outer layer of older bees, sometimes referred to as mantle, covering an inner core of loosely packed younger bees. The cluster responds to changes in temperature by expanding to dissipate heat and contracting to conserve heat. Bees can precisely position their bodies in layers so that their thoracic hairs interlace. Since bees hair it has similar properties to down, bees resist heat loss and their layered bodies close off ventilation through the cluster and between combs. As an interlaced cluster, they form naturally uh, efficient insulation cooperative. As body temperatures of the mantle bees fall, they generate heat by using their indirect flight muscles to shiver. And and away from the article, um, I've read somewhere that they actually disattach their wings so that they can move their muscles underneath and create the heat but not have to flap their wings, um, which adds a significant amount of life span to our winter bees. While shivering, bees are using fuel, their honey, oxygen, exhaling carbon dioxide, their respiration in combination with reduced ventilation creates an environment with increased carbon dioxide and reduced levels of oxygen. But both these conditions can be toxic to humans, but bees, um, these alterations are internal or intentional. The changed environment around the cluster induces bees into an ultra low metabolic rate, which conserves energy and traps some needed humidity. There is also some research indicating a higher level of carbon dioxide increases the mortality of wintering varroa. So let's step away from our article here. Something that we learned for our management decisions is that we, have um, a condition that would be toxic to humans, but to bees, these alterations are intentional. So, and they talk about how the changed environment around the cluster induces bees into an ultra low metabolic rate. Um, I have opened up beehives that uh, all winter long have gone through one um, box of honey. And up here in Canada, it's not Uh, Unusual to leave two boxes of honey on top of your bees. So as they are progressing from um, uh, the brood box upwards towards the honey box, which is usually a super, and it's usually um, you know smaller than than the deep that is on the bottom, they they will go up to that upper brood box or upper. honey box and they will only go through round about one box of honey and I've opened up other boxes where they have literally gone through um, what was left in the brood box what was in the second honey box and what is in the third honey box and uh, they have needed um, a little bit extra of sugar on top that I've had to add as a sugar board or the camp method of sugar um, Granulated sugar on top of a newspaper on top of the hive, so they they put themselves into that kind of ultra low metabolic rate, and hopefully they won 't go through as much uh, uh, honey as they need during uh, a lower count of uh, um, bees you know a smaller a smaller hive and um, if they end up warming up and cooling down, and warming up and cooling down, because during the warm area, warm period of time, they end up utilizing a whole lot more honey. And the other thing that we're learning here is that the varroa mite, um, the increased carbon dioxide, increases mor- mortality of wintering varroa. Hmm. <laughs> Might this be something that we can pursue and and, and um, play with during non um, wintering times that if you end up with a varroa problem that you might be able to throw in a bit of carbon dioxide into your hive and and maybe kill some varroa, something to be experimented with right so Temperatures of the bees in a cluster are regulated in three different ways. First, by conduction because they are touching, then by radiant heat from the bees nearby, and finally, with convection via air movement. When bees cluster tight and shiver, the heat they generate reaches down into the core. At the core of the temperature, the temperature would continue to increase until the cluster overheats. But instead, the younger bees at the center expand and loosen the core, allowing excess heat to flow back to the outer layers of the mantle. In this way, the heat being generated in the mantle layers is equalized and distributed by the action of younger bees at the core. So, um, very intelligent, (laughs) and bees know to do this by instinct, But they're very intelligent that way and they can uh, alter how they are heating, um, how they are circulating the air. It's just incredible. Heat dissipation plays an important role in understanding how the size of the cluster matters to heat loss and winter survival. The larger of the cluster, the less surface area represents it represents, the total mass of the cluster the opposite is also true and in the small cluster the surface B's represent more of the cluster's mass. So that's that's kind of interesting too and there can be some interplay there with with how we understand the cluster. To, (laughs) To understand this better, visualize the cluster at of just one B. In a cluster, in one B cluster, 100% of the surface area and 100% of the cluster's mass is represented in a single B. Convective flow around that one B will cool the entire mass of the cluster because they are one and the same. If we add another B, the cluster of masses mass is doubled but the surface area is not increased by the same amount. As we continue to add bees the surface area becomes less and less representative of the total mass of the cluster. The surface area is critical because that's where the heat dissipates. And if the surface represents less of a cluster mass, the cluster can retain more heat and stay warmer. It's why a dog or cat curls in a ball to sleep. They're protecting their core temperature by reducing the surface area exposed to cooling. Maintaining core temperature is the key to winter survival and is also where the insulation can make a critical difference, insulation on the outside of the hive um how insulation works as beekeepers we can't control thermal regulation but we can influence heat loss in two significant ways we can manage the convective flow keeping the air as still as possible around the cluster we can add insulation to the beehive body to help conserve some of the heat now in saying that we need to make sure that we have a bottom vent and a top vent so we decrease the bottom entrance so that the bees can um, have less airflow and then the top vent is usually regularly small and it's usually an escape vent. To aid in understanding how insulation and air temperature play a role in overwintering colonies it may help to visualize the cluster as if it were a standalone water heater tank. Water inside is maintained at a steady temperature And The amount of fuel used to heat the water depends on both heat loss to the surrounding environment and Insulation quality of the tank If you want to save money on heating fuel The first thing you're advised to do is insulate the tank The reason insulation conserves fuel because it resists the natural movement of heat (coughs) Sorry about that That's general that's generated and takes longer to migrate away. The same thermal transfer takes place in a bee cluster and the same conservation of heat applies when you add insulation around the hive. In a natural bee cavity, insulation is provided by the surrounding mass of the tree, above and below the colony, is almost infinite amount of insulation and outside the walls can be virtually any thickness, but typically range from three to five inches. According to university accepted standards, soft pine refers to an R value about 1.12 per inch. Uh, four. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's not cubed. It's four. Therefore, the three-quarter-inch pine boxes we typically use provide an R value of point. Conversely, a colony surrounded by 5 inches of wood on a natural softwood tree benefits from an R-value of about 5.6 or about 6 times the insulation quality of a typical B-box. That's just the outside walls. The real contrast in R-value is evident when you compare the insulation quality of what a tree provides above and below the cluster. A typical commercial box sits in the open in an open bottom board which offers little to no insulation value below the cluster above the combination of inner cover telescoping cover provides some insulation but not much also if the inner cover has a beak escape hole with a notch on the outside rim the insulation value is near zero that's a problem especially on the top where warm moist air will accumulate if that warm moist air meets Thin cold surface than an open bee escape hole, such as uh, thin cold surface or an open bee escape hole, it will condense and dump cold liquid water back into the cluster. Bees can tolerate extremely cold temperatures while dry, but if you wet them in cold temperatures, they will die. Stepping away from this, what we do to mitigate this in normal hives is we tip our beehives uh, slightly forward so that any condensation that forms on the roof rolls down the, or rolls across the roof and then down the side and with the um, with the ball of bees in the middle they don't get touched by this condensation rolling down and off the other thing that we do is we uh, usually throw um, styrofoam insulation on the bottom and we usually have styrofoam insulation also on the top or we can get some uh, fibrous insulation that does not or is not affected by water. Another thing that I have been doing to uh, see what kind of help that we can give the outside of the beehive is up here in Canada we use these huge big black blankets that we wrap around the middle of the hive. That means we either have to insulate the top and bottom or we get ones that uh, wrap around the top and then um, allow the bottom to be open. And uh, in, in uh, messing with those those uh, winter blankets, of course, you're gonna have to take them off and put them back on. Um, every uh, every season that comes along. And if you have uh, a wrap that goes over the ceiling uh, or over the roof of the hive, then you have to uh, cut holes in the blanket so that you can have your bee escapes. And uh, the other the other issue with that is, um, well the other thing that people do is just wrap it around the middle. That way when spring comes and if they need to throw in a sugar board or, or the camp sugar method with granulated sugar, they're able to open up the hive, go to the top of the frames, and uh, put down the newspaper and the uh, granulated sugar, or they will um, take the inner cover and fill it full of sugar that has crystallized and uh, formed a hard... Um, Board, and then put that upside down on the hive, so that the bees can walk up to the roof and chew on the the sugar that 's up there, and that 's why they put the wrap around the middle, not around the whole entire thing. Uh, another thing that uh, a few of the beekeepers in in our beekeeping club have been working with, and i 'm talking to you, Peter. <laughs> Um, Is we uh, have been trying to find something that we can mimic the hive of a bee in uh, uh, a tree and so we are increasing the R value of the um, Wood on the outside so we're we're looking at putting two by four or two by eight or two by 20 on the outside so that it has a two inch thick around the um, Usual hive box and what we're hoping to do with that is Be able to secure it to that hive box and not have to remove it spring summer winter or whatever and that way the bees can be um, Can feel like it's more regulated hive and they're not losing as much heat in a recent study, researcher Derek Mitchell went beyond simple R-value calculations and used his physics background to apply known thermal mass calculations to compare heat transfer loss of a tree that of ma- to that of man-made hives. His research indicates that a thin man-made hive box will lose four to seven times more heat than a typical tree colony and some behaviors may be driven by that fact. One of the things that I have noticed when I have been rescuing bees from the walls of uh, houses is that if they have a backing that is the uh, pink insulation and then they have a space between the pink insulation and the exterior of the building and you've got two two by fours or two by sixes they're able to live in that quite comfortably and the only one surface is is uh, like a three-quarters inch thick and uh, they they seem to do fairly well in that as well um, one of the things that we have to remember is also that we have Um, really bad winds up here in Canada and on the prairies and they just blow right past and that will decrease the amount of stored energy in the hive because it's constantly sucking air out of the hive with the heavy winds. Many honeybee behaviors previously thought to be intrinsic may only be a coping mechanism for human intervention. For example, clustering in a tree enclosure may be optional rare heat conservation behavior for established colonies rather than the compulsory frequent life-saving behavior that is in the hives in common use. The implied, implied improved survival in hives with thermal properties of tree nests may help some of the problems of honeybees that they are currently having in api- apia culture. Mitchell makes a strong case for adding insulation to overwintering wintering colony, but he also makes a case for um, more year-round insulation. See, <laughs> I'm talking about that. Mitchell is hardly uh, the first to consider the difference between trees and thin pine boxes. Langstroth's first hive was a double-walled, and he advocated filling the dead airspace between the non-conductive uh, material or with non-conductive material like charcoal or sawdust to enable the bees to preserve with least waste their animal heat. Hmm. Some manufacturers recognize the need for more insulation and today we're seeing high bodies offered in lightweight insulating materials like high-density polystyrene. These boxes have been used in Europe for many decades and the characteristics are well documented. In the U.S., wooden boxes dominate and there still seems to be a lingering discussion about the need for adding insulation. Um, One of the things that I've noticed about the polystyrene boxes is A lot of times the bees don't like the amount of area that they're in and they just start taking away some of the interior of the bee uh, polystyrene box. So (laughs) it's a little difficult that way but you know um, polystyrene may be the way of the future and maybe what they're going to do is on the inside of the polystyrene they'll put um, a, a wood liner on the inside that could possibly help out or some sort of Uh, carbon fiber lining might be great as well so we just don't know. Um, In the end the bees end up uh, propolizing the interior of the hive anyways and they create their own little barrier between them and whatever is (laughs) surrounding them. So there are some arguments against insulation, or insulation. There are standard arguments often advanced against insulating. The first being that insulation will make bees more active at times and use more stores while they're moving around. That, and that's true. An important third thermology study of wintering bees concluded that colonies with insulation have more relaxed clusters and therefore bees have the ability to move around more when compared to uninsulated colonies but that only allows bees to have greater access to stores and to avoid starvation. Kind of a bonus. Um, One of the things that we do up here in Canada and it's not a very wide practice but it 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 is more of a common practice than, than not, is we go through and we punch holes in our plastic foundations or in the wax foundations um, uh, prior to us closing up the hives for the winter. And we do that so that the bees can move through and flow through the um, frames and be able to reach laterally as well as up and down. Um, and And get through and and find the stores within that box, and it helps them so that they don 't have to move up and then across the top and then back down because the the um, honey on the other side is going to be absolutely cold, and uh, bees the reason why the bees move from the bottom box up in the winter is the heat that they produce rises up the uh, combs and heats up the honey in the combs uh, above them. And so they continue to inch upwards. But we help them so that they can pour through the middle of the box and go left and right in the box laterally um, in order to flow through and use the most honey and stuff in that area. Um, and that way they're not trapped in between the very small spaces. and. Uh, and uh, it, it just helps everybody be able to move. Another common objection is that insulation will cause the colony to remain cold as the outside temperature warms and the bees will miss opportunities for cleansing flights on warm winter days. But as a thermology study documented, bees in insulated colonies reacted to changes outside the temperature basically at the same rate as uninsulated colonies. So there we just busted a myth. Bees break cluster based on the temperature of the outside drawn air directly into the cluster, not the temperature of the hive body or the surrounding honeycombs. Yay! (laughs) And this is one of those things that we talk about when we talk about uh, information that we telephone game um, between beekeepers to beekeepers to beekeepers. This is somebody who used modern um, engineer technology and has figured out that it really doesn't matter if you insulate the outside of the colony as to when the colony wakes up to go take its uh, cleansing flight. I, I, like, I like how they say that instead of dropping their caca everywhere. It's a cleansing flight. Um, anyways, they, uh, um, they wake up just fine with the air going around them. Contrary to the belief of some, insulation does not add heat. It can only contain the heat already generated. As such, insulation will not provoke bees to fly when it's cold, causing them to die as they exit the colony. They do that with or without added insulation. When considering arguments that advance the notion that added insulation will harm your bees, it's important to remember that bees have lived in well-insulated natural cavities for thousands of years. Finally, during winter a colony will need most of all the honey it has for survival. Isolation can make critical difference. Even winters when the isolation may not uh, um, play a significant role in the survival, the bees can benefit from less uh, cold stress and emerge in spring healthier, improving the insulative quality and habitat we provide to the bees. It's just moving them closer to a life of a more natural enclosure. And that is the general Um, idea that most, uh, sorry for the squeak there, that most, uh, beekeepers have been going towards is we want to try and get them back towards something approaching nature. (laughs) And, uh, for all you, uh, granola beekeepers out there, you know who I'm talking about. You guys who are the hippies who just want nature to take its course. Well, this is taking a step back towards what you guys want. (laughs) Ventilation in the Langstroth bee box. Ventilation is both complicated and interesting when wintering bees. And although I've separated the topic of insulation and how you use ventilation will determine the effectiveness of your attempts to insulate. The complicated part is understanding whether bees in the cluster that need ventilation. The Langstroth box that's made ventilation necessary or a combination of both it's always interesting to observe bees in fall make every attempt to close seams in the ho- and holes in their hive as they are trying to tell us something. Hmm. <laughs> How conductive flow and condensation work in a bee enclosure where bees are the source of heat, there is a natural con- connect or convective flow heated air. Has the characteristic of being both more buoyant and capable of holding more water vapor than cooler air. As bee bees breathe and metabolize food, and heat generates are generated, provides a constant upward connective flow of warm, moist air. What happens next depends on the type of the enclosure. A natural bee cavity, which is a tall cylinder, the most ca- uh, convective flow reaches the top of the cavity and meets a warm surface with the physical vapor barrier. The warm surface is there because the tree offers, as mentioned earlier, an almost unlimited amount of insulation above the cluster, which is resisting heat loss. The vapor barrier is there because the bees have placed water resistant propolis over the entire inner surface of the cavity. Since the top is warm and the heat seeks the cold, the warm flows. Flow spreads along the top, seeking in cooler surfaces of the cylinder walls. Most moist air and all the cold surface will cause condensation. The condensation happens because it is the air's te- or because as the air's temperature is lowered, it loses its ability to hold water vapor. As the water vapor condenses out and turns liquid, the hive's humidity level is lowered and the process gives back latent heat to the enclosure. It's a perfect balance made better by the fact that bees select cavities where the entrance is positioned away or lower than center of the winter cluster. Okay, so you hear me, friends? <laughs> um. The bees select cavities where the entrance is positioned away or lower than the central of the center of the winter cluster. So any cold air coming in falls to the bottom of the cavity, mostly avoiding sorry for the squeak. Mostly avoiding the actual cluster. At the bottom, excess humidity remaining falling uh, in the falling air condenses into the composting detritus in the bottom also since the cylinder is long the cluster is more has more surface to allow for a winter position farther up into warmer space as needed so that may be friends <laughs> what we're looking at you know where where are you placing your bee entrance into the box and are you placing wood chips on the bottom of your box so that it has some place to suck up some of that water that comes in or that, that happens due to condensation. <clears> hmm. <throat> um, I have seen boxes created, they're European boxes. And again, this is the bunch of the granola guys. Um, they they make um top bar boxes, I believe they are. And along the bottom of the top bar boxes, they put in all sort. Of, they put in a, a thin layer of dirt, and then they put in um, some sawdust on top of that. And then on top of that, they have some branches and leaves and stuff. And they kind of crunch them up and make them into small pieces, so that it's more like what they would find in maybe a hive that they have. And in natural hives, there are all sorts of bugs and and critters along the bottom that live there naturally and uh, occasionally mice get in there and and of course they're killed and propolized over Um, but the mice get in there and uh, uh, silver, what do they call them, silver earwigs and uh, all sorts of things get in there. So it's kind of interesting to see men try and mimic that of nature. And and this is kind of sort of what he's talking about. In a thin wooden man made enclosure, things are much different. We've already discussed the difference between insulation of quality and what happens to the box. Follows the same principles of thermodynamics, with a different outcome. For the purpose of comparison, I'm I'll assume an uninsulated box with a typical inner cover telescoping outer cover, the warm moist air rises and the first thing encountered is a thin cold inner cover where condensation will occur and in this case it will occur directly over the cluster. These can tolerate cold well but Drip cold water on them at minus or at 32 degrees Fahrenheit and they will die. It's no mystery that, having observed this, beekeepers want to ventilate the moist air before it happens. Many decades, beekeepers have devised ways to keep the inner covers conveniently placed, porter bee escape hole to ventilate all of that warm, moist air without regard for the consequences of lost heat. <laughs> Ventilation provides some level of humidity control by directing the cluster's warm convective flow to the outside, but consequence is the removal of that needed heat. A few important questions come to mind. First, as beekeepers, we know how to keep condensation levels down by adding lots of ventilation, but do we know enough to understand how the bees balance ventilation with the needs of wintering bees? The complication arises from the fact that natural humidity levels change in response to many ordinary variables, and the daily life of the colony, therefore, a fixed amount of applied ventilation will not accommodate those natural fluctuations. How much ventilation is required to adjust the amount is just not known. It is not even definitively known if bees attempt to control humidity or if they just adapt to naturally occurring levels. What is clear is that bees need some of the condensation that they generate to hold heat in the enclosure. Also, we've known for some some time that humidity plays a significant role in Varroa reproduction. The next question is how much of our current practice of provisioning 60 to 100 pounds of honey per wintering colony, and then providing supplemental fawnant, in, in some cases ending with the need for emergency food, is being driven by removing lots of heat from, that the bees must replace? Hmm. E.B. Weedmore calculated the amount of honey required to overwinter A measured population of bees is influential, or in his influential 1947 book, Ventilation of Beehives, Weavemore converted the caloric content of honey to watts, and then using wattage he calculated that the basic needs uh, are about 3 pounds per month between mid-October and mid-April. Therefore, if Weedmore is correct, the primary winter honey requirements for the average population of bees in the range of 21 pounds. It seems like our need to provision winter stores at four times that amount may indicate something about the burden on bees to generate additional heat beyond their basic needs. One obvious reason is the loss of heat by abundance of added ventilation. Hmm. Mm-hmm. There is no question that the ventilation is needed, but I think if we could refine some of our understanding of how much is needed and when, modify our boxes to direct the convective flows away from the cluster centre, and increase insulation around the winter cluster, we could help our bees live healthier, lessen the burden of winter provisioning, and reduce winter losses. Wouldn't that be nice? insulation options when subject of adding insulation comes up it invariably starts with wrapping our colony with tar paper although tar paper is not insulation because it has no r value it has historically been used in combination with insulating or with insulating material it is a way of keeping them dry early use of tar paper included covering Uh, leaves or straw as they were packed around the colonies. If you're not interested in insulation and only require winter shield or windbreak, tar paper paper will work. And this winter I used just tar paper alone and I didn't have any colonies survive. So, (laughs) but I had a top and bottom entrance. Hmm. Tar paper will work, but Advances in energy-efficient house wrap, made of woven polyester designed specifically as moisture and air infiltration barriers, are another option. Many commercially available winter wrap systems simplify the process of insulation. These kits offer an inner core of bubble wrap, or fiberglass, and an outer covering of black plastic. Some of the fiberglass core offer an R8 insulation. They are simple to install and provide adequate insulation but they are only operating on the vertical box surfaces. The vertical sides represent about 25 percent of the total heat loss with the remaining heat exiting from the top. That means that almost 75 percent of a colony's winter heat loss is unaddressed unless you use commercial side wraps and add insulation to the telescoping cover. One product discussed is, as insulation is... Good gosh. Homostoe. Homostoe is a mixture of recycled sawdust and newsprint in combination with insecticides... I don't like putting insecticides on my hive. ...and microcrystalline wax. Even though dry, one quarter inch homostow has an R value of one point two zero. Beekeepers sometimes put homostow over the inner covers to act as insulation and a moisture collector. But most but those two functions can oppose each other. Homostow's intended use is in dry building cavities where liquid water or excessive wall vapour can become a problem. To combat combat this, Homostoe is added to microcrystalline wax to delay vapour saturation, but since Homostoe is paper and will collect moisture, which is an advantage if you're using it for that purpose. but once Homostow starts to collect moisture, its R value declines. So if you decide to use Homosto as insulation or a moisture collector, consider its properties and use it accordingly. The moisture boards solid uh, commercially sold commercially are made of homostow and are a very similar product. If you want insulation approaching the quantity of natural tree cavity, the best insulator is sheet foam and we do use this on the outside of our our stuff. Sheet foam comes either as pink extruded polystyrene, XPS, or foil-faced poly These insulators uh, resist moisture and provide an excellent R value within the range of 5 to 7.5 per inch. Sheet foam insulation quality will not degrade in the presence of moisture, therefore it will provide a constant R value in all conditions. Sheet foam can be fastened, fashioned into sleeves that slide over the colony for complete sidewall insulation. Sheet foam's biggest advantage is when it's used both for sidewall and top cover insulation. Big problem with sheet foam though, it becomes the best uh, mouse colony builder and tunnel builder in the world they love to cut it out and make little tunnels from the top to the bottom to where they can access the hive without any predators finding them (laughs) so good in some areas not good in others Not all foams are the same. XPS is rigid, easily cut, and offers about an R6 per inch. XPS can withstand short exposure to sunlight, but the manufacturer recommends painting it or covering it with house wrap or tar paper. When used in the telescoping cover where the bees can access it, they sometimes try to chew it out, but you can stop them by covering it with a thin plywood sheet or screen, like I talked about before. (laughs) Um, Poly... Isocinerate foam, um, sold under different brand names, is a premium product designed both to insulate and reflect infrared heat. Reflecting infrared heat is a valuable way to conserve heat. To use foil-faced insulation, it has an infrared reflector. You must provide airspace between the infrared heat source, which is the bees, and the foil surface. all right and that comes from www.beeculture.com winter management i want you guys to go check that out they're a really good uh, um, source and i honestly found out about oh i'd probably say about seven things that made me go hmm so and and then we just dis- uh proved uh, two different wives tales in this one so huh, cool I like doing that so anyways this is uh, getting a little bit longer for one of our B shorts but uh, I'd like to encourage you guys if you guys have any questions at all give me an email at all small be at gmail.com and Uh, If you have any suggestions for uh, topics we need to cover, something that would interest you, please send me an email. Also I have a Discord if you're interested where we can talk, make an arrangement and talk real-time about beekeeping and about this kind of stuff. I just really (laughs) I can spend hours and hours chatting about this. So if you guys are interested give me an email and I'll give you a link to my uh, um, my Discord server. Also um, on your uh, platforms that you guys are listening to this podcast, please make sure that you send me a like and that you uh, um, mark me as somebody who you want to be hearing from in the future. We have a whole lot more to go with this uh, uh, production technician um, beekeeper course and uh, i love to Love to continue on. Of course, uh, giving me likes always gives me one of those uh, warm, warm feelings inside and, and encourages me to keep doing this. So I appreciate it, guys and gals, and, and uh, keep beekeeping.